This is Live from the Table, the official podcast of the world-famous Comedy Cellar, coming at you on Sirius XM 99, Raw Comedy, formerly Raw Dog, and wherever you get your podcast, Dan Natterman here with Noam Dorman, the owner of the world-famous, ever-expanding Comedy Cellar. Noam, I'm still not seeing any construction around the corner, but I guess there's still permits and paperwork to do. You started already? Yeah, we started already. <laughs> that was so fast. Anyway, um, we're with uh, Periel Ashenbrand, who's our producer. She was out sick, I guess, for a time. I think she had, she had COVID, COVID, COVID again. She had COVID 20th time. I had COVID. Oh, I was sick, too. Did you with have COVID? No, I haven't had a COVID yet. At all? No, I just, I get these respiratory whatevers. I don't know what's happening, but. <clears throat> well, perhaps because of your, your height, there's some issue with the. With the pollen in the trees. I, the air, the air <laughs> yes, is that very be, thin That could there. be. I have a smoker's cough, and I've never smoked in my life. <laughs> That's from the chemtrails of the airplane that you're breathing in. Oh. Mm. Uh, that's the beautiful voice of Carmen Lynch who's with us. Carmen Lynch has not one but two specials out. One in English, one in Spanish. Can you put the mic in front of you? It's, it isn't in front it's of you. It's inside. Okay, yeah. sorry. Uh, Carmen, we've had her on before. She's a bilingual comic, um, which is sort of a thing these days. Is it, though? Yeah. I mean, we have Rafi Bastos, a Brazilian man who's mm-hmm. doing it in English. We have Daniel Simonson from Norway who's doing it in English. We have Fabrizio Capagno, who's, oh, I believe, true. Chilean, who's doing it in English. And, and uh, you? I've done it in French. I did it in French. As a matter of fact, just three weeks ago, I did a show with Sandy in French. Uh, Marcello. The, Marcello Hernandez. Uh, but I don't think he's... he's, he's, he's <laughs> I, don't I don't think he's done comedy in Spanish. He's Hispanic. He yeah. may have. He may well have. I don't know. It's possible. Um, but he's so busy with, with all his other endeavors. Mm. In any case, um, yeah, I, I did it in French, but the, the anxiety was so off the charts that I remembered why I stopped doing it in the first place. Anyway, Carmelita. So what do you think about Israel, Carmen? Well, <laughs> Oh, God, please, no. <laughs> we really don't talk about anything about Israel anymore. So. Oh, well, my God. Well, then this show should be a needed break from that. We can certainly talk about that. Uh, need a break, so no. Yeah, you need a break, yeah. <laughs> But genocide. Carmen, um, oh. well, we, we can get to that when Gurian gets here. He probably has thoughts on it. But <laughs> but for now, I'd, I'd like to uh, inquire more about these two specials, one in English, one in Spanish. Do they show them in Israel? I <laughs> hope. <laughs> no, she's not, not doing... the Spanish one. The Spanish one is only limited to Spain right now. Periel, is your Hebrew up to the challenge of a comedy set in Hebrew? I've done it in Hebrew in Israel. Okay, well... Yes, that's all. That's all there is to say. Um, <laughs> Carmen. Yes. Two specials. What are they called? Queef Week. That's the one from La Semana de Queefo in, in La Spanish. Semana del Pedo Vaginal, which sounds so different. Does not have is a ring. Is that vaginal fart? Vaginal week? fart. The week of the vaginal. Wait, fart. Well, how do you say fart in Spanish? You named your special Queef Week. Yes. I, I like knew no one would have an issue with that, and I'm glad. Like you at all? I know, but I just felt at the moment maybe now I would. Not are your parents call dead? That. They they don't watch my comedy. Okay, they would never. They wouldn't even know how to find it on YouTube. Um, what? what uh, well, we were when I was trying to name my special, which is by the way, nothing's happening with that. In case you're interested, uh, <laughs> we were spending a good deal of time wondering, you know, what's in a name? What, what 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 thoughts went through your head when you decided to name it Queef Week? I mean, honestly, like looking back now, I would name it something that would have no red flags on YouTube. It didn't have any flags. But you, you want to just have something that's safe, I think. How about Queef Queen? At least have a little alliterative. Well, I mean, it, it, the line Queef Week is in the show. Oh, it is? Okay. So it just made sense. And then it was actually perfect because it's on Mark Norman's uh, YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So when he was like, Queef Week, like he liked it, <laughs> you know? So, um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I think now I, I would name it something just like regular words. 
I think that probably does better with the algorithm. Noam, what are your thoughts on Queef Week? I'm sure you have I'm, thoughts. I, I mean, it, it, there's either it's it's an attention grabber and it's good for business, mm. or it's it's uh, jarring and it's bad for business. I I don't know. I mean, like as a, as just as a as a marketing thing, as a yeah. as a you know as a old man, I guess like 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 I find it a little like you know inelegant. <laughs> it's yeah. I, I I'm not you know I've I've just always been a little. Um, Prudy about stuff like that, I guess. I don't know. I understand that now, but I think initially I was like, oh, it's got a good ring to it. Let me just do it. But yeah, if 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 I was on the Tonight Show or something, they're not going to be like, watch her special Queef Week. They're not going to say that. I don't think they no, would. No, I don't think they would. I mean, yeah. I, would, I would imagine. Are you are you scheduled to do the Tonight Show? No, but I'm saying, like, you want a name where they won't, won't have a problem saying it. See, now, as a woman... So what if you get off? What if Michael Cox offers you the Tonight Show? I'm I'm sorry, Periel, but uh, we'll get we'll get to your query, okay, query in a bit. But as a woman, Please, I'll just yeah, keep quiet. While men talk, let men tell me when to talk. What if you're? What if Michael Cox? Now I could name a special anything I want because there's very little danger that Michael Cox will invite me on the show. But but what if he invites you? And then what would you say? How would you? I mean, I'm sure they would like bleep it, and it would be like bleep week, you know, or or he, he... is it a medical term? I don't. Know. I don't know. But I, when that's they an did interesting the question, they did the initial uh, checks because I guess once you put it on YouTube, you can do like a a check in of what the words are. Like you can't say the c word and stuff like that, and YouTube will flag you. And queef was not a flaggable word. Right, so, I don't understand really. Like people are very squeamish about mm, that, but I don't. It seems absurd. It's just, a, it's yeah, it's 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 an it's not an absurd word for me, but for the industry, I yeah. feel like they'd be like, eh, can we say that? It's a great word. I think it's, it's a fun word. It's a fun word. Yeah, and um, it's an. Uh, why, why are you doing that? What? Go ahead. What, I, ha I have a daughter. Yeah, and that's at, it, though. Yeah, and at some point. That will happen to her, and she shouldn't be embarrassed about it. Don't you dare. Um, uh, queefing. She is, probably knows what it is. She How old for is she? Sure, she for sure knows what it oh, is. Please, let's just change the subject. <laughs> you brought it up. Please, I, I, um, I didn't bring up that. Suffice to say, it's a natural part of having a vagina. See? Although awkward at times, there's no reason to feel embarrassed or ashamed. If it happens to you, I'm getting this from health.com. Not that I couldn't have come up with that myself. Uh, but flat, vaginal flatulence, I think, is the more scientific. Look, you can change it to look, vaginal oh flatulence. Listen, and then just add weak. There's there certain things. Of course, nothing should be embarrassing. Everything is part of the human condition. But there's certain things which are naturally just humans are shy about. A, 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 an infant, like a a 13 month old baby, mm. when he's pooping, very often will go hide behind the furniture because he's a little modest about it nobody told him to be that way that's just it's just a natural thing and, and you guys just want to just like rewrite all the natural no, like, I, I, i'm not saying anything wrong with it i'm just saying like a little modesty it's not the kind of thing you have to i just i don't I, what's going on with you whippersnappers well, is, is there any <laughs> is there anything in your act beside you have a joke about it um but is it is it an overarching theme i'm assuming it's not in your no, act. have you ever said have you ever said it's talking to you honey have you said that <laughs> <laughs> oh you don't know about no. that no <laughs> okay go ahead um no it's it's the last joke and it is kind of like oh my god did i just do that it's not like i like to queef everyone you know it's not like i'm open and excited about it, it. is there a it was an accident on an airplane is it mo now most special on an airplane I yes 
Oh, that's interesting now. Well, I, I, thought oh. was, I thought it was during sex. It doesn't have to be. No. Well, you do you, you do it on takeoff when when the when the engine noise can mask it. Or yeah, there's I mean, there's ideally. a lot of turbulence and things happened. I don't know. You'll have to listen to the special. <laughs> I queefed on a plane. <laughs> that's right. I queefed on a plane. Now some of you may not know what that is. I'm gonna tell you. I said that on stage in London. I said, I queefed on a plane, and this woman yelled out, what is a queef? <laughs> and this itty-bitty, adorable, elderly British woman yells out, it's a fanny fart! <laughs> it's when you fart in your fanny! In the front. <laughs> oh my God, I cannot believe this woman knew what her queef is. That's when I realized everyone queefs, every woman queefs. Old, rich, everyone. And the biggest queefer of all, of course, is Queef Elizabeth. But does your special, very few do, but... I mean, one one notable example of a special with an overriding theme is John Mulaney's recent special, ba Baby J, was it called? Yeah. Uh, which all about his experiences in rehab. It's your special, just a mixed grill of subjects. I have an mixed idea. Mixed grill. Well, okay. I have an idea. Okay, but I was, I was okay, but go ahead. Oh, now, you're, now you're upset about being interrupted? Um, <laughs> let, <laughs> let's put this show up on YouTube okay. twice. One call it Queef Week with Karma Lynch, okay, and one call it blah blah blah. Something like that. Okay, and let's then and let's not, and, and let's really let's do this and let's see which gets more views. Okay, okay, okay. Well, that, well, that, sure, that's an interesting experiment. I'm all for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Okay, so, you think you can figure that out, Perio, on your I, own? Or I, you, I, okay, I can go, try. Ahead, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. No, I was wondering. <laughs> if, if, I'm, I'm asking. You look afraid. If it's <laughs> if it's a mixed grill. Or if there's a theme, but I think you said it's a mixed grill. It's a mixed grill. I mean, think about it. I don't know. Did you when you did your special? Was that your first one ever? Well, I did one years ago for Comedy Central in the yeah. in the early two Ks. Like I've done albums, but I've I've never done a special. So when mm -hmm. you do a special, I think after this long, it just feels like you just do your greatest hits. You know right. that. So that's what this was. It was like my favorite jokes that would never make it on late night, religion, all this stuff, and uh, and queefs at the end. You know, it's just a, it's my favorite jokes, basically. Okay. Um, I don't think there needs to be like a through line or anything. Well, there doesn't, no. But but yeah. but sometimes there is, like Gary Goldman's special about depression or or, or, or Mulaney's special about um, rehab or Chris Rock's special about, um, they do a Will special Smith. about people being, people being oversensitive. What was the name of that special? His most recent one about people. But, uh, no, uh, would you mind if we delve a bit into New Year's Eve? I want to hear Carmen's opinion as a comedian on the whole my 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 uh, our New Year's Eve uh, conflict. Oh, it's a little related to Israel. Go ahead, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't know you wanted to leap into Israel. Oh, no, it is because the owner of, of the new club is Israeli. So go ahead. Is he? Yeah, Mark Yosef is Israeli. We had him here. I don't think he's Israeli. No, of which he's club? Oh, he's he's an American Jew. Rodney, I, don't think he's I, thought, I thought he's Israeli. He's anyway, okay. Go ahead. <clears throat> um, and 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 Periel, you can give your thoughts as well. Um, I had two, to. <laughs> I had two spots here on New Year's Eve. As long as you could find an opening, go ahead. Um, and I also, uh, you know, Mark Yosef, who owns uh, Dangerfield, the new Dangerfield's called Rodney's, mm. wanted to have me on his show, and he booked me at 
at uh, whatever it was 1105 and and I I didn't plan it right and I realized holy shit I fucked up and I booked the the, the seller I didn't tell Esty that I, yeah whatever all right I'll blame it all on me it was my fault whatever I fucked up I ended up having a seller spot that conflicted that it was almost impossible to get from here to to um Rodney's um in in you know I didn't have enough time so I wanted to move my seller spot to an earlier spot so I said to Noam Hey, you know, uh, this is what this is the situation. Can I move it? I thought Noam would say, I really did. I, 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 I thought he'd say, Dan, of course, no big deal. We have tons of spots. Uh, no big deal. Uh, we'll move it. No problem. Um, New Year's is intense, though. It's very intense. But Noam kind of wrote me about it. He said, well, I can't believe it. You can't, but you're going to fucking do the... He didn't say fucking, but you're going to do Rodney's instead of doing... Yeah, I said, no, I, I'd like to do both if possible. If not, <laughs> of course I'd like to do both. <laughs> if, if, by the way, if not... You know, I'll cancel here, not not because I have any, you know, cancel not, the seller instead yeah. of Rodney's. Yes, because let him finish. <laughs> let me finish. Um, I promised Mark I would do it. Mark, you know, needed me far more than the seller needs me. Uh, I could be easily replaced at the seller, um, and I felt, you know, I I felt like I, for, for rightly or wrongly, that um, it would be, you know. More unfair to Mark than it would be to the seller. If the seller could move me, great. If not, I would cancel it with regret. Uh, Noam said that Esty's not going to like this, and and I got very anxious. And and uh, and Esty ultimately did switch me with Jay McBride. Um, Jay wasn't thrilled about it, but I gave her a fifty dollar gift card. Um, in any case, um, so Bernie, your friend Bernie Fabricant rode me about like like he he fucking busted my balls said what the fuck are you doing you know Noam's your friend this is you know this is your bread and butter whatever uh, so he was on your side I, I didn't know he must have heard the podcast yeah he heard the podcast yeah. but I want to know Carmen what are your thoughts on the matter I mean immediately I I always and I'm not saying that because you're here but like uh the seller would be like, is like, even on a regular week, I'm like, I, I keep those spots and I move around the other. All right, but what if you fucked up and, and there was no way to move the spot at Rodney's because they were only doing one show. I would say, and I, I was, don't have loyalty to Rodney's. It would be my first spot and I would just be like, can't make it or uh, here, fi- if, I, if I ever feel bad about canceling, which I've done for other people, I'll be like, here, five names. I'm sure that one of them is available here. You could have like, been marked. What, what if fifty dollars? What if he card. said, "Look, <laughs> what if he said, I, look, uh, Carmen, you know, I really was counting on you.' I mean, obviously, you're going to do what you're going to do." He didn't say this to me, but business the way. is business. <laughs> but okay, but but okay, um, but what if it's the same money? It wasn't, but what if it were? It doesn't. It's not about the money. It's so about what, what the, is it about? It's about the name, the loyalty. The seller's always been good to me. Right, I don't the seller's know this been. Guy. Uh, there's more prestige. It's just, uh, it's just the way it is. But do you feel that what I did was wrong in any way? It, it was, wouldn't be your choice. It's your choice. I don't think it, it, does it have to be wrong? I mean. Well, Noam sort of implied that it was, if not wrong, not exactly right. Well, it's, I'm surprised. It was I, horrible. Well, considering <laughs> well, I'm that very it's surprised you to too. Hit, but, like, but, but again, like I, I can't uh, believe, I can't believe it happened. I'm you see, I'm too, shocked though. that you're shocked because let me let me lay out my case again. Uh, although I've laid it out previously, I felt that Mark needed me. I might be wrong in this regard, but I felt that he needed me. It's a new club, um, you know. I I I'm a relative big name for what was going on that night at that club, um, 
And um, but Mark and, also- and 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 the seller could replace me so easily. The seller could either switch me or replace me. Either one would have been so easy to do that. Though of course I have loyalty to the seller. Uh, the seller, you know, uh, yes, as a gesture of of, of loyalty <laughs> toward me, could have could have been a little bit. And SD was easy about it, by the way. Maybe because you greased the skids, but. Um, I I just I I I I uh I was really shocked at <laughs> your you that you that you, this is what pangs of conscience that like. I was really the possibility yeah. that it's, it's not intense. about that like the way the the lens through which you're looking at this well, is one way to see it but there's also another I way I, to I understand see it. but I don't think Noam's looking at it from the other lens either but I don't I mean with well what do you have to say about it. I think that the onus is not on him well, I, to, to look at it through that lens. I think that um, maybe their feelings were a little bit hurt, that you would have prioritized something I, I, else. Oh, it's hard to imagine their feelings well, were apparently hurt. apparently not. But also, apparently why, why not, can't well, you picture... I, I mean, Noam didn't say his feelings were hurt. Well, I mean, Noam's not going to say that. <laughs> he's not, I mean, he's... I mean, you really think Noam's feelings were hurt? I think that he was probably a little bit offended, Let, especially do, on New Year's. It's also very which he's shocking. Obsessed with. I, I think I laid my case out fairly well. I fucked up. I'll cop to it. Why I booked two spots that were in conflict. Uh, Jeff, you can weigh in. We're here with Jeff Gurian, who's uh, Com- Comedy Matters. Is that your? Comedy Matters. Yeah. Okay. Jeff Gurian, who's, who's <laughs> been around the comedy scene quite some time. Uh, I fucked up and I scheduled a comedy seller spot and a spot at Rodney's, the new club, in conflict with each other. Well, the Rodney spot, I couldn't move because they were only doing one show and I was on last. So it couldn't be moved. Now, now wait, 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 wait. how exactly did that fuck up happen? Happen. Um, I, I, told, I told the Rodney's I was available. I told Esty I was available. Then the spots came in. At the same time? Okay, at and, the exact same time? He I couldn't make both. He couldn't, couldn't do make, so I, look, put it. Look, put it all on me. I fucked up. Okay, okay I'm copying yeah, to fucked it. Up. That's fine. I got two spots now that are in conflict with each other. Right. My thought process was, I'll do Rodney's. I'll do Rodney's <laughs> because <laughs> because Rodney's is a new club that that were relying on me far more than the sellers relying on me. The seller could replace me with such ease. Um, you know, with with. Either cancel my spot or switch me. Either one isn't that complicated for the seller to do, and I, that's how I felt. Now, Are you, do you, you, you know, like- um, I don't think, and the seller. I mean, I, that's just how th- I felt. I, I, mean, but, but I was quite was- frankly shocked that Noam was was shocked. But now. Rodney's was already booked, right? Like the I show had, was happening with or without you. It wasn't like you were the only one well, performing. And you had plenty I, I, of time just, to tell them too, right? It's not like at eleven thirty, you're like, I can't. Make no, it. I mean, I had a couple of weeks to a to, couple of weeks. That's plenty of time. Oh, I thought this was all happening like. The I think day it was of. a couple of weeks prior that I said I've got to figure out a situation. I got to figure out who to cancel. We all do other clubs. I mean, that, I'm not the only one who does other clubs. That's not. Dan. I mean, <laughs> you, you can't. <laughs> So, how so, you- so, I mean, is it really like skin off the... I mean, if the it's- seller said to me, look, we really don't want you working other clubs, then I guess no, no, no. we could have that discussion. No, by all means, <laughs> work other clubs. Go to Rodney's <laughs> all right, the but time. Wait, but how did it turn out? What happened? Ashley graciously switched me. I, I I don't know that she was thrilled about it, but she did. But that'll never happen again, by the way, now that I know. <laughs> oh, but do you understand? <laughs> it's one thing that, do you understand? Like, does it make sense? Or are you still like, whatever, I can't do that anymore? Okay, can, can, can I, can uh, I, can, I, I understand okay. to an extent, but I, I don't feel like my position is being understood. Max, can you, you can weigh in as well. 
Well, I thought you could have just taken a taxi and gone to the other one. Yeah, Max thought I could make it, but the no, stress would have been it. just yeah, off the chain. This, is, this was OJ's defense, by the way. That he, didn't, <laughs> he, he didn't have time. <laughs> he, couldn't have, he couldn't have killed them all and still made it back to the house in time. And the glove didn't fit. <laughs> That's it. Look, uh, I hey. love you, but you're wrong here. Now, so let me let me say, Dan. I, I don't know how to approach this without. It's like without, the without ice cream in Maine. I, okay. I, yeah. Well, the ice cream are, in Maine. Are, you know, we can we can argue about the ice cream in Maine. I, are, I, I, I'm not saying I'm right about that, but this one I'm, I'm more. The ice cream <laughs> in Maine. Yeah, exactly. All right, wait. Yeah, what do you want to say? There, there are extra non-economic, non-pure business things going on in this story, and they're especially poignant on a holiday, which to normal people has some sentimentality attached to it, which is New Year's Eve. There's just something about New Year's Eve. So if you if you spend your whole year co-hosting the Comedy Cellar podcast <laughs> well. as as well as working at the club all the time, you know. And then it's New Year's Eve, which is a nice, you know, it's just just it's a very sentimental night for me. For Noah. Okay. And and for for for, for most People. And it's a family. It's, it yeah, feels yeah. like family. And you want to be around the people. Yeah. Happy New Year. You know, like yeah. that you would take the spot at at that club, which provides you with 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 work and and happiness, you know, and you know, friendliness and 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 family in a way, uh, all year round, rather than go and work at the club that hasn't even opened yet. Like to take a gig at a club is they literally have not even opened their door yet, and you say, okay, I'll, it's 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 now. I don't. I mean, I shouldn't say I don't care. I do care because I told you his feelings. Because were. it's it was you know it's like why would he do that? But it's not like I would like I wasn't. I'm not walking around angry at you, and uh, it's not like I told Esty, you know, like in. Uh, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and the dictator. <laughs> <laughs> so no problem, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Um, now and Esty did seem to it, it did roll off it did roll off her back pretty easily, which if I was in your shoes and maybe a little paranoid, I'd be like, boy, that was, Esty really didn't seem to mind. <laughs> uh, look, I, I know where I. Okay. She didn't break down in tears. Esty, yeah, Esty was almost like. Oh no problem, Dan. <laughs> I mean, objectively, it's easy to see who filled in? like who, who what you did. I switched your mic up a little I, bit towards you. I, I, I'm sorry, who, Jay McBride filled Jay, in. Jay McBride and I switched. Well, we switched. He yeah. swapped with her. Yeah. So it was fine. It 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 didn't hurt the show, or or I, I mean, I don't know that it hurt the show or not, but um, it's just it's just a it shows those kind of total a, a disconnect, a, a, an emotional disconnect, which I, with all due respect. You know, I love you. Is 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 probably part of your your personality, and um, that's all. I'm not I'm not mad at it. You know. Well, uh, but uh, first of all, I those considerations. It's it's not like I wasn't. Those things weren't. And we are Jewish, right? In my in my Still. in my um, in the calculus, but um, you know, I I just didn't want to. I I don't like to cancel in general. Uh, but if I had to cancel, I I felt that the cancellation or the switching. For the party that it would affect the least was uh, ha- had I I, I would you're, you're correct were, were you're I, correct about that yeah. were I able to snap my fingers and and Mark would call up and say you know we're canceling New Year I would have felt a lot better because you know I I would have thought when they contacted you that you would have said to him 
let me just find out what my seller, if what's going on at the seller, and then I'll let you know. Mm. That's what I would have thought you would have just said. Now, I don't know if the money was the same, more or less, if it mattered money. I mean, you know, if, they, if they're offering you twice as much money, of course, I would understand. Take- well, no, it wasn't, it wasn't even, a, I didn't even know how much they were going to pay me until I got there. Yeah. All right. um, Thanks, Dan. It, it, <laughs> well, it's, it's just that, that just I made it worse. I just said I said. I no, no, that's better. That's I said better. I said that <laughs> I would worse. do it, and I maybe maybe I have a thing about canceling that you know it, it's a, my 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 cancel my hatred of cancellation is very is very deep. So if I had to cancel, yeah. I wanted to do so with the club that it would affect but the least. But you had two weeks. Jeff, Jeff Gurry, and you say what? Well, let me just say, hold it, Jeff. The only thing I want to add, and I'll turn around, Jeff. The thing that I most remember about it was that you were going to approach a comedian on your own about switching. And that's what I was like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. That's what I said Essie will freak out about because she doesn't want to be in a situation to say to a comic, well, no, you're not right for this spot. Yeah, like, no. so, so that would that would have been unfair to her. But as long as you put threw it back to her and Essie got to re, you know, re, reconfigure the board... That's that's not the end of the world. The question is, have you had spots since New Year's? (laughs) Well, Uh, I don't have anything booked. So, Jeffrey, go ahead. (laughs) It's just such an awkward situation, and and I totally agree. It's so hard to cancel. I get a stomachache if I have to cancel, but I I wouldn't put two two shows too close together, especially on New Year's Eve when you know it's hard to travel. It's very hard to travel. Loyalty is very important to me. I don't think Dan has a a a nasty bone in his body, so I don't. Let's not go overboard. I I don't think. No, I, I don't think that. I think that you're very loyal to the seller. Anybody who works at the seller, like I just came back from Ver- Vermont with Colin Quinn. We performed together at this Vermont Comedy Festival. And he went on raving about the comedy seller, about what it always meant to him and what it means to him and how important it is to him to be in this location. This spot, he said, is magical. And he went on and on about that. It was very, very important to him. And all the comics that I know feel the same way about the seller. There's something very special about it. You know, I knew your dad. I go back a long way with this place, and there, there is truly something magical about it. Thank you. So I don't think I wish Dan agreed. No, I heard, well, I heard, I I'm heard. sure. I'm sure he does, but it's an awkward situation. Look, that club, Rodney was the first big star I ever wrote for. I had a real connection to that club. I used to spend a lot of time there. I didn't get there on New Year's. I was curious to see what they were going to do with that unhinged. Then I saw that you were there. And I really wanted to stop by. How did the show turn out, by the was way? It was crowded? it crowded? Yeah, it was crowded, and there was a good audience. It was. That's all I really have to say about it. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it was just. And they had they had a they had a buffet. I, people <laughs> have. <laughs> I, I went there uh, last Friday. I, I went to see a show there. Oh, you did really? How yeah. was it? It was. It's actually right. It was pretty good. It was. It was. There, it was actually. It was their official opening night. They didn't take my advice on anything. He, um, did they redo the place? Because yeah, for, for they, 50 years, it was the same. I, so he came in here. What, what's his name? Is Mark, Mark Yosef. Mark, Mark Yosef. So he came in, and uh, I told him that I always liked that room, and I always thought it was cool that it looked like, like a Vegas lounge, you know. And I said, you should leave it the way it is, you know, mm-hmm. enhance that vibe. Right, but exactly, that's a because it had vibe. the energy of Rodney. Yeah, there. it was just yeah. like so cool to me. I was, I was the only club I would go in. I was kind of jealous of this atmosphere. Like, I think it's this really cool atmosphere. Um, now, now we could do it. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. and no, they just gutted, they like gut they, rid of They changed the thing. I oh. called Tony, his old partner. When I read about it on page six, I thought that Tony would be involved. That was Rodney's partner since 69. And he said he couldn't comment on it. And that's when I thought something weird was happening. 
And is that guy Greg also involved in Unhinged Comedy? Greg? Greg, Greg Alperin? No, I, well, I, he may be. Oh, I don't know Greg Alperin. They, he, they opened a club in Scarsdale, and I was I performed on the opening night. And unfortunately, it didn't last long. It was him and Joe Matarese uh-huh. were partners. They opened this club in Scarsdale right, on right. Goth Road. And it didn't last too long. And I thought that that was the same people that were opening Rodney's. I don't think but, so. He took your advice on the name, though, didn't he? Because was he was gonna call it something else, and you told him not to. I didn't. I didn't say to call it Rodney's. No, tonight. you didn't say to call it Rodney. Oh, he asked your advice. Well, that was at least nice. We didn't take it, but but, but that's <laughs> fine. So so the show the show was pretty good. Um, uh, Matt 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 Broussard was very funny. Like, he had a really good set. That was mm. that was, I thought was the yeah. the highlight of the show. And um, you know it's opening night, so I I I don't think it'd be fair to uh, comment on kinks that are there but you're you know i mean i've been through opening nights and this was a much smoother opening night than any opening night i ever had by far in terms of having their shit together um but the, the only thing i would say is that uh well you should, should i say it's just two interesting things you know? okay if they're yeah, interesting yeah. Like dish um <laughs> no um <laughs> <laughs> now you have to well it's up to you i i can't tell you what to do no, I, I well, the second thing I won't say, I'll tell you guys off off the air. But but uh, so but it was I think if you're going to call it Rodney's uh, to to make a reference to the fact that this is a historic location, then it doesn't make that much sense to me to wipe the entire memory of, of Rodney that, yeah. out of out of the club, which is seems what they did. Say, well, it, it doesn't mean anything to be called Rodney's anymore. They took the pictures off the wall, all the celebrity pictures with Rodney and everybody. There may be a few pictures, but it just it. Y- you would have no idea you were in the same place mm. whatsoever. That's There's too nothing bad. about it. How do you so. feel when someone opens a club? Are you like, oh boy, good luck to that? Like, is, it's so hard, or are you like, like the business part of it? Well, it's well, in a totally different part of town, so it wouldn't be any competition for you. But not even competition, just like you leave the business to me, right? Okay. <laughs> not, not the competition, but the, just the work and the like, you know. Are you like good for you, or are you like good luck with that? Yeah, he was pretty much like good luck with that. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> it would be really hard. I, I have mixed feelings whenever I I, I have these situations because yes, of course they are they are competition, and um, and I want to strangle them in the crib. Of course, so that's that's the, the the most that's not personal at all. Like like if you were to go back to the eighties. When there was Catch Rising Star, the Improv, and uh, the Comic, comic Strip, yeah. when we opened, they would have told those, "Oh, it's too really worried about it. It's on the other side of town. Not competition to you. It's a little dinky basement, right?" Little do they know we're Baby Hitler. Like, like we're we, we're, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take over. So, so it, they would be right to want to see us fail because you don't know where anything's gonna go. So that's on a, like a very objective way. Personally, I'm exactly the opposite. I have no bad feelings towards anybody who's competing competing with me. I think I I actually look down my nose at other club owners who, you know, are antagonistic towards people who own other clubs because everybody has a fucking right to. It's America. Mm-hmm. Open, you open another club, and as long as your business practices are ethical, then if you kick my ass, you kick my ass. I don't I don't have that gene that that, that most business owners seem to have, where they where they personalize it. Uh, so, so I want to see them fail, but I also have no bad feelings towards the owners. And when they come in, um, when I speak to them, I'm very hundred percent honest in what I say because of the story that I told on that show. Well, I'll tell it very quickly when, uh, years ago when Ava 
when my father was alive, Ava, who was his wife and general manager, who, who she wrote two beautiful manuals, one for the managers and one for the waitresses here, for the servers. We, those days we call them waitresses and servers. And uh, they had illustrations and cross-references and, and like, I mean, everything that Harvard Business School would put these in display cases. They were so good. She worked so hard on them. And Bob Engelhard, who owned Panchitos at the time, came in and he saw the, man the manuals and he says, Manny, uh, those are pretty good. And my father said, take them. And, and Abba started crying. How could you give him those manuals? And my father said, it won't help him anyway. <laughs> because, because my father's insight was, you really think it's about having a manual? manual. That's yeah. not what makes people succeed. It's what's between their ears that makes them succeed. Mm -hmm. So I, I am completely open in what my advisor would have say when I meet new club owners because I do know in my, in my gut it really doesn't matter if I give them the perfect advice. If they're if they've got it, if they have the right stuff, as it were, they're going to succeed. Yeah. And if they don't, they don't. It's not going to be because of something I told them. So that's why I feel mm -hmm. if I thought that it would really help them, I would be total like disinformation, tell them the opposite. Of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but I don't do that, or I would just wouldn't say anything. I don't like to be a liar. So that's how I feel about it. But um, you know. I, 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 I do I do wish that every club were busier. I noticed lately I'm hearing a lot of reports that a lot of clubs are not full. And that I don't like hmm. because if every club were overflowing, that would mean that our business long term is healthier. I mean, I haven't seen any that empty. This month is different. I feel like January doesn't count though. Because everyone is... But we're full. I, I mean, you guys are in yeah. your own category, though. I feel like... Yeah, there's always lines here. I remember after COVID, when everything reopened, about how exciting that was. I actually came down and interviewed that, you that night. And all the club owners, the club started filling up again. Because people needed to laugh so bad after, after the trauma that we all went through. Yeah. But I don't see clubs being empty either. I see mm -hmm. them being pretty full. Well... I would say that... Uh, it depends I, on the night, though, of course. You know. Yes. You know, the other clubs, you can go, for instance, on New Year's Eve, you can go to the websites of the other clubs and get a pretty accurate picture of how many tickets they've sold. And... Well, how other, do you do that? Well, some of them actually have seating charts. Okay. You can actually see the seats. And others, you know, they have menus, drop-down menus of how many. There's, there's ways. Or they're still trying to sell at the last minute. Or, or they'll send you an email on yeah. on Sunday the 31st. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> buy tickets for tonight. It's okay. So the clubs were selling, as far as I know, all of them were selling tickets to, to the very last minute on New Year's Eve. And that kind of worried me. Mm -hmm. Like that, that was weird to me. Well, do you think that, that the seller is just gobbling up so much business that, you know, that that's the reason that uh, these other clubs aren't necessarily full? It, 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 it's part of it. But, you know, and then I want to, uh, you know, focus on Jeffrey a little bit. As opposed to like a restaurant that has a chef that makes magical food or what I used to have in the Cafe Wild where I had music, which was very unique. In the end, we're still presenting the same stand-up comics that the other clubs present. We don't have, we don't have a moat, as they say in, in businesses. Like, like there's no, there's no comical works here, except for maybe a very few of them. Um, 
who the other clubs can't also book. But it's the name. You're, this name carries all over the world. You know, it's iconic. It's such a rare thing. Yeah, but but, but it wasn't still, always. I'm just way. saying, like so. we like if 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 a new club opened that had their shit together in terms of customer service and atmosphere and sound and lights mm. and and all these things that that we do well. And and I know that like you walk into the cellar, there is an atmosphere. Like mm. if somebody could do that stuff, they can book the comics. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, like I can't, I don't, my, my key product, as it were, I don't mean to say that in a bad way, like the, 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 the thing that we sell, which is you guys, is not unique to us. But, but even when I go to Spain to do shows in Spanish and I was just there, they're like, pero tú estás en el comericelar? <laughs> like, like it's the name. It's not like, you know. But he's, but given that, most comics would work other clubs He's saying Dan Natterman. Um, <laughs> we, we, we know we know that very well. They work other clubs side of the scene, never having worked there before on New Year's Eve. They don't even know, they don't even know the money. That's how much they work other clubs. Um, <laughs> it's a buffet. It's a buffet. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was a buffet. I didn't I didn't partake. And by the way, all right, okay, because yeah. Noam, Noam was gracious enough to get. Uh, was there El Molino here on New Year's? I think. So. Yes. Yeah, you, you didn't have any of that, did you? Well, yeah. You... <laughs> Wait, before we we said you. You know that he has an insane obsession with New Year's Eve. I, I didn't know that. You, didn't. Oh, you shut up too. <laughs> I'm surrounded by idiots. So, so let me tell you what. Let me tell you what she. Let me tell you what she's Seriously? referring to. Cut, cut her count- mic. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you, let me tell you what she's referring to. I I have lately the last three years. What I've been doing is I've been closing or semi closing the Olive Tree on New Year's Eve, catering it from Il Molino's, and inviting friends to a New Year's Eve party. Mm-hmm. And I really this has been a nice traditional for it. and you know there's not that many seats in the olive tree and uh periel and her husband guy they get they get two invites to a pretty exclusive party and um was, i want to go back for a second and, and it was let me before just get, let me it get was this. before it was even when we were doing it at your house okay and mm-hmm. what's well, even worse and <laughs> she, co- so she comes to the new year's eve party she says at 11 15 she's like okay we're gonna be going now <laughs> and i'm like it's a fucking new year's eve party oh. yeah but i know but it's late i'm like this is a New Year's Eve party. You don't leave a New Year's Eve party before midnight. That's what a New Year's Eve party is. Wait, did you do this the same this year, the same time? Dan well, Mark Yosef had invited me to go. Ah! So I'm like, don't fucking come to my party if you're not staying till midnight. That's right. that is insane. It's like I'm coming to your birthday party. Well, we haven't done the cake. Oh, you know, cake schmake. I'm it's late. No, you. It's just you know you might want to leave. You wait until the cake is cut. That's what you do <laughs> at a birthday party. But do you acknowledge that this has nothing to do with the fact that I had two exclusive invites or whatever you want to call them? This goes back to... I'm saying this has nothing to do with my hangup about New Year's Eve. So this is you and up. you mm-hmm. and your total lack of, of, of <laughs> social <laughs> IQ. Larry David would love this. These are scenarios <laughs> for curb your enthusiasm. Let me it's tell amazing. you. Amazing. Okay, Jeffrey. Yes. What is new with you? We last you, we've talked about how you almost died. How you had a widow. Uh, the, the a widow maker. make a heart attack. And, and COVID. He was, was hospitalized. COVID double single pneumonia wasn't good enough. I had to have double pneumonia, 
And I wound up in the hospital next to a guy from Wuhan, China. That can't even happen to a person. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm Actually, in bed next to a guy. It's probably, from, it's probably yeah. the most likely place in the world to wake up. Anyway. I'm laying there next to patient zero. Anyway, yeah, it, 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 gave, it gave me jokes for my act. Um, a lot of stuff is happening. I shot a pilot recently, an independent pilot. Am I allowed to mention another club's name? Yeah, of course. We shot it at Gotham Comedy Club. Chris Mazzilli came on board. And uh, it's called The Raw Side of Comedy, and it's a, a competition slash reality show. So we, we started with 30 comics, narrowed it down to 10, put them in an Airbnb. They didn't know it was going to be an Airbnb, and, and it's a really fun show. It's in the editing stages right now. Tomorrow, I'm leaving to perform in the uh, Sunshine Comedy Festival in Tampa, Florida. And I'm also the official interviewer there. I do, you know, that red carpet stuff that I do. And um, I, 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 excuse me, as I said, I just got back a couple of weeks ago from Vermont with Colin Quinn. We spent five hours in the car and had the best time. He's so great. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's such a great guy. And he and I, we're friends for like 30 years. So after they asked me to come, they said, could you help us get a big star? And I said, who would you like? And they said, by any chance, you know Colin Quinn? So I was able to make that happen. And we had the best time. And I starred in Joe DeRosa's music video. Um, do you know Joe? I know Joe, the, the, the guy who owns the sandwich shop. Yeah, the right? sandwich. Yeah, he's got he's got a band <laughs> called called How Salsa. How many things is he doing? <laughs> Salsa Windfall. He's got a band. Called, I didn't know he was. I didn't know he was a musician. Yeah, uh, most people don't know that, and and he just did a thing at Arlene's Grocery. Like you, he's a musician. He's also he's also and, most people don't realize he's also he's Arabic. No, people well, he, 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 Joe? he's is part he Egyptian. But he was adopted yeah, that would be by, Arab, by yeah. Italian. By Italian, because DeRosa is an Italian. Yeah, but he so, does the he does the Arab uh, comedy. Festival. Oh, does he? Okay. Oh, does he? Yeah, I yeah, didn't know that. I found out. Yeah. So he opens for the impractical joke. I'm just trying to get back to Israel in some way. I know. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> well, well, yeah, we could do that. Well, I you know, Israel. if you if you if you want to tie it in, there's numerous. Uh, um, there's numerous uh, comedy shows that are being done to raise money for Israel. I know. Well, stand I'm not up, doing any of that. Stand up New York is uh, doing a whole tour. Yeah. With Danny's uh, old Dan. He's got 27 city tour. With so, Modi, so I, I, you know, if you, if you, if you want to, you know, talk about that, you say you, you. Well, would... let me finish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and I write books on happiness, so I have eight books now: five on comedy, uh, one one with Chris Rock. Chris wrote the introduction to it, and three on happiness that became bestsellers on Amazon. And just today, I got the most heartwarming thing: a ninety-three-year-old man wrote to me from Arkansas, and he wrote to me how much my book, my. My most recent book is called Facing Adversity, Stories of Courage and Inspiration. And it's people who are burdened with terrible obstacles in their lives. A man born with no arms and legs who tried to commit suicide when he was 10 years old. And now he's married to a beautiful Asian woman, has four children, and is a worldwide speaker. He's a motivational speaker speaks all over the world. So I started collecting these stories 20 years ago of people <laughs> who had terrible disabilities but managed to lead happy, meaningful lives. Can we get him on this show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we can. His name is Nick Vujicic, and he's a, he's a public guy. I, I assume that because he has no arms or legs, he, he has a little bit of a thick skin, and he, he knows it because it's... Because it, 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 Things pop into your head, but when you when you said he tried to commit suicide, yeah. I know. The first question, you know, all of my how right? How? Yeah. <laughs> he was in the bathtub and he wanted to sink under because he was being bullied so badly by oh, other God. kids because you know kids are so mean, and and he he decided not to kill himself and he went on to lead this life. I mean, it must have been a horrendous thing. I saw him on Oprah. Now, does he have any prosthetics or anything? He has one one thing. It's like a foot, and he hops. It's it's crazy. Now, it sounds funny. 
But it's amazing when you see somebody like that who has a good attitude, because people complain all the time. You know, look, I write these things because I stuttered very badly. I don't know if you know that. I stuttered through my 20s and beyond. I couldn't even say my name. I could never say Gurian. And I, I realized one day I didn't stutter when I was alone. I only stuttered when I was trying to talk to somebody else. And I consider it grace. It gave me the knowledge that there was really nothing wrong with me. I created a false disability for myself. And I worked on myself for years. And I developed a cure for stuttering. And now I work with stutterers all over the world on Skype. And I teach them how not to stutter. And it's a matter of controlling. That's amazing. It's a, it is amazing. I'm, so I'm, uh, actually, I'm actually interested in what you're talking about. And I used to, used to drive people crazy what I'm about to say. But I used to say it because I was impressed by it. Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. Who everybody hates. Perry Old hates him. She doesn't even know why, but I know she does. <laughs> <laughs> um, he went deaf virtually overnight. Mm -hmm. he, oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah I remember taking, hearing He was that. taking painkillers and he, and he went deaf. Mm -hmm. And uh, unbeknownst to his audience, he had like a stenographer who was you know, uh, uh, taking, you know, dictating the, whatever you call it, stenographing the um, callers and stuff. And he was answering it very, very quickly. And I was astonished at how he kept a positive disposition. Mm -hmm. Then he got cochlear implants and they didn't really work and whatever it is. And he, and he would from time to time and very, he was stingy about it. He would do a couple of interviews where he'd actually talk frankly and openly about the disability that, mm -hmm. but I was astonished at the strength of character. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's nothing. Yeah, sorry. Well, to, to become deaf no, but when I'm you're saying, a look, talk I, I, I radio host, you're yeah. a talk radio I'm, host, I'm, and you're you can't deaf. Hear. I'm, well, I, wait, and, let me and, finish. And I'm not Keith saying it's Robinson. nothing. I'm saying it's nothing next to Keith Robinson. Right, it's and similar. I love stories like that because yeah. most people have a stroke and you can either be crushed by your obstacles or you can draw on some inner strength that sometimes you don't even know you had and you can overcome them. Yeah. And that fascinates me. There's a story in here. A th a, I'll tell it quick. A little three-year-old boy playing hide-and-seek. He hides behind a tractor. The tractor's running, mm -hmm. puts his hands in, and it cuts off his hands. The father's a surgeon, but not that kind of surgeon. He takes his son to the hospital, and it's a holiday, and there's no transplant surgeon. So the father assembles a team, and he does the surgery himself, and he reattaches his son's hands, puts him in casts. Six months later, they take off the cast. The hands are alive, but they're not functional. The grandfather's a martial artist and trains this little boy every day growing up. And today, that little boy is a famous spinal surgeon. And he, runs, the, he runs a spinal surgery clinic in Colorado. That's the kind of stories that how, I write how, about. How, how? Because he learned to reuse his hands. Now, I've done surgery. You know my other field. I've, I know how... Dental surgery. Uh, yeah, I, and I, used to, I was a cosmetic specialist, and I know how steady a hand you have to be to do surgery. He wanted to be a hand surgeon, but he switched it to spinal surgery. True story, and we're, he, he's the head of spinal surgery at a hospital in Colorado. That, to me, is so amazing that somebody could, could, could overcome that. Could you assemble some of these guys and we do a show with them? Have you done a show with them? No, I just write about them. This is the book, Facing okay, Adversity. And it's a whole twenty four. Nobody reads anymore. You need this you need <laughs> on YouTube. Well, the, it, it's an e-book as well. I mean... I, you never know who your words touch. That's okay, the point. Okay. This man writes to me from Arkansas, a 93-year-old man. Whoever, so, so let me, let whoever me just thought say... He, yeah. I was being kind of sort of kidding about the book thing, but yeah. if there's ever any situation where you'd want to actually see the people themselves, hear it out of their mouths, like this is... This is it. Words are not ever going to um, 
Convey. I see them on YouTube. I look yeah, the so names like, up. Right. So but can, can we interview them? Can you interview them, or I would be happy to do it with you? But why would you need me? But do a YouTube where where you interview a few of these people. These, this is amazing stuff. It's amazing stuff. And I, and I started collecting them twenty years ago in nineteen ninety nine. I cut out articles. I read stuff that fascinates me. I've always since I conquered stuttering. I've always been fascinated by people who have the courage. I mean, my problem was small compared to what I write in the book. It's unbelievable. There are people who have this strength and that always fascinated me that they don't let it get the best of them. They take a negative and they turn it into a positive in some way. Like the singles bars are filled with tall, handsome guys who don't have a date. And this guy has no arms and legs and he's got a beautiful wife and four kids. He's got a huge dick, Jeffrey. Like that <laughs> must be it. That's got, that's got, maybe that's what he hops around on. It looked, it looked like a foot to me. Maybe it's just a foot long. Maybe that's what it is. It's a foot long. But, but I'm fascinated by stuff like that. It's, it, to me, it's well, just totally you, amazing. Getting back briefly to Keith Robinson, if you had told me, Keith Robinson is not a surprise. It's not like one of these guys that I'm like, how did he find the strength that, you know, I never would have thought he had? I would have guessed that his reaction to having two strokes would have been exactly what it is. Uh, that is to say, to continue doing stand-up comedy. And quite frankly, I don't think he's ever been funnier. He's certainly never been more unique. He I told mean, me that he drove home the night he had a stroke. He yeah, was he so, in such a panic mm -hmm. that he got in the car and he drove home because he didn't know what was happening to him. Uh, I'll never forget. I'm like, you drove I couldn't believe that he did that. Yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing that he goes out and holds his arm and still goes out and makes other people laugh. And he still drives, right? He still drives, yeah. Oh, does he? Yeah, he still drives. But that's the crazy thing about comedy. When I had the heart attack, I was back on stage five days later. I'm at New York Comedy Club, and Emilio says to me, what, are you crazy? You just had a widow make a heart attack. And I'm like, yeah, but it's hard to get a spot here. <laughs> I don't want to lose my spot. And that's how sick comedians are. Yeah, well, not Dan. He would have been. <laughs> I, I'd have probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, my strategy is to try to, you know, um, uh, what we call uh, defensive driving. Uh, you know, uh, monitor my blood pressure, uh, go to the doctor, um, you know, uh, on a in a timely fashion. Because I know that if I ever have any serious health problem, I'm out of the game. What do you mean? I'm ki killing myself. Well, I had never been sick before that. I had the heart attack. I had no problems at all. I was out partying the night before with the Sirius XM people. I was dancing. We were at Sammy's Romanian having bowls of cholesterol. <laughs> and the next day, all of a sudden, I get this weird feeling in my chest. You know, if, if you ever had a cramp in your calf, you know how that feels? Mm -hmm. I didn't have any of the normal symptoms that they usually tell you, like an elephant on your chest, and you're nauseous, and you're sweating. None of that. I just had this cramp, and I was rubbing it, and it felt better. And I'm like, well, you can't rub away a heart attack, you know? And so I had an appointment with a chiropractor, and it was pouring rain. And as sick as it sounds, I don't like to go out in the rain because of my hair. It, I know it sounds <laughs> fucked up, but it's the truth. And so I was going to cancel, but I didn't. And I'm on the subway, and the pain's getting worse, and I'm rubbing, and I'm rubbing. I get off the subway, and for some reason, I had about six blocks to walk. I turned down 50th Street towards Radio City, and I see four cops in a van. And I go up to the van, and I knock on the window, and in my best Jewish way, I say, I'm sorry to bother you, but I think I'm having a heart attack. And the cop says to me, well, I think you should go to the hospital. And I'm like, well, that's why I'm telling you. I'm not just telling everyone. <laughs> I thought they would say to me, jump in, and they'd put the siren no, on and drive me to the hospital, right? Yeah. But that didn't happen. The cop says to me, well, I'm sorry. We're stuck in traffic. It'll probably be faster if you walk. 
So I said, well, where's the nearest hospital? And he didn't know. So he takes out his phone and he starts looking for hospitals. And he says to me, do you have Google Maps? Now you have to picture it. It's pouring rain. I'm standing with the fucking umbrella and a pain in my chest. Do I have Google Maps? No, I don't. He says, well, I think you should download Google Maps. At that point, I walked away. I said, you know what? I have a doctor's appointment. Thank you anyway. And I walked away, but I could only get another half a block because the pain was getting really intense. Another cop's on the corner with a, a walkie-talkie. I said the same thing. Sorry to bother you. I think I'm having a heart attack. He says, stand on the side. Stand on the side a couple of minutes. Are they coming? He says, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't call them yet. Nobody seemed too upset, and I think it was because I was very calm because of all the spiritual work I do. I was telling myself, if I'm having a heart attack, then for whatever reason, this is my path, and I can't change it, and it's really weird, but I'm just going to try and deal with it. So I stayed calm. So finally, um, a fire engine comes along because they're all EMTs, and very often when someone's having a heart attack, firemen come first. Five guys get off the truck. The guy says to me, who's the patient? I said, me. He says, climb up on the truck. I said, you serious? He goes, now nah, we're just fucking with you. Yeah. Everybody was joking. <laughs> Finally, the ambulance comes and they take me in. Two guys named Mike get off who think it's hilarious. Their names are Mike. And they take me in and they start asking me a medical history. And I said, can't you take me to the hospital? No, we have to ask you these questions first. And they're asking stupid, like tech support. stupid can questions. Just, can, you just tell me, can you tell me how to fix my computer? They're, they're, they're asking stupid <laughs> questions. Like, have you ever had an uncle that felt nauseous? I'm like, what, what does that have to do with anything? They finally take me there and the door won't open. I said, my life is a Woody Allen movie. They finally get me in. Nine hours, I laid in the emergency room until some genius gave me blood thinners, and they put a stent in the next day, and they saved me. But that's the crazy story. Everything and it's all to true. kill you. Everything, everything they could do to keep me out of there. And I had to laugh. I mean, there were, were times when it was very serious. They, do they just get this so much? They're so desensitized. Like, I don't know. It was the weirdest thing. I, I didn't embellish that at all. They really said to me, it'll be faster if you walk. Well, when you got to the ER, I, did, I, they, did they take care of you right away? Or, no, they wheeled me, and I laid in the ER for nine hours. But insane. luckily... Without anybody seeing you? No, they wheeled me against the wall. Somebody saw me and started me on blood thinners, okay. and that's what saved my life. But then they wheeled me against the wall. They didn't have a room in the cardiac unit for nine hours. Okay. That was at Lenox Hill Hospital. My daughters were there with me. Like, when are they going to do something? And like, I don't know. Theoretically, if you need a stent, they're supposed to do it within 90 minutes. Mm. They didn't get to me till the next day. So in the morning, I called my doctor. I said, when are they going to do something for me? A nice guy in Ayamaka came to me, and he prayed over my bed. I guess he worked there. And he said to me, I think you have a blockage. And it turned out I was 95% blocked in the LAD artery, which is the main artery to your heart, which is why they call it a widow-maker heart attack. So thank God I wasn't married anymore. There was no, there was no widow. So I was just lucky that I survived. You know? what, what changes in your life have you made in terms of diet, nutrition, exercise since, since this, this uh, heart attack? Really not much. I always had a good diet. I've been exercising since I'm 13. I work out my whole life. I didn't do anything different. They said to me that we start collecting plaque from the time we're children. You collect plaque in your arteries, and something must have happened, and a piece just snapped off and blocked my artery. Mm -hmm. They had no idea where it came from. It was like a stroke in your heart. And Yeah, kind of, yeah. And I've been on medication ever since. I never stopped taking blood thinners, which I think helped me survive COVID. Because when I had COVID in March of 2020, they didn't know that one of the effects was blood clots. A lot of people died from getting blood clots. And for some reason, I had the feeling never to stop taking the, the blood thinners. I take a, a baby aspirin and clopidogrel every day. And 
You should be in the medical record books. What? <laughs> I'm just lucky, man. Like uh, Donnie Brown, I got cancer to prick. I just feel lucky <laughs> that I, there are things that I haven't done yet that I need to do. God is watching over me. You don't believe that, you know? do you? I do in some way. Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, I don't believe. That. Well, I believe that there's some higher force. Nah. You know why? <laughs> if you believe, if you believe that you're nah. controlling your life, then you blame yourself when things don't go the way you'd like them to. There's something comforting about thinking that there's another force involved. Well, it's comforting, but is it true? Nobody knows. It, it's arrogant to say that you don't know. I who, think it's who, the opposite. I think if if you if you if you think there's a force, say, oh, the force is out to get me. No, no, you don't think of yourself as a victim. You can't think of yourself as a victim. Like if if I don't get something that I'm trying to get, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, nothing works out for me. Everything works out for other people." You have to say to yourself, the positive approach is, I'm supposed to have something better than that. And if I got what I thought I wanted, I wouldn't be available for the really good thing that's coming to me. Like I had a flat tire that saved my life once, and I was cursing my luck for getting a flat tire. And when I went into the shop, the guy who was fixing it said to me, come over here, I got to show you something. He said, you see this rod? This rod was about to slip out. And if that rod, that rod controls your steering, you would have lost control of your car. You're so lucky that you got the flat tire. And I was cursing my luck saying, just because I'm going away, I have to get a flat tire. And I but maybe keep, he was just trying to sell you a new rod. <laughs> it could have been. It could have been. But I keep that piece of metal as a reminder that the things you think are bad in your life, sometimes it turns out to be but something good. that stuff can, if it's exaggerated, if you think it too much, it can stop you from doing things. Like I grew up really Catholic and I grew up with the idea of like, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. And that kind of made me lazy because I was like, oh, I just no, I won't, you have I won't to do that. If it's meant to be, it'll happen. And then one day you're like, no, you make it happen. No, you, you, you have know? to take the action, but you have to turn over the results or else you drive yourself crazy. If you think you're supposed to have something, you're supposed to do everything in your power to try to make it happen, but not obsess over it. Because I don't know what's in your mind. I'm not a mind reader. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what any of you did this morning. You know, I can't tell. If I come to a, a meeting with you, I hope it's going to go well, but I don't know what's on your mind. So if it doesn't go well, I can't blame myself. It's like I'm supposed to have something else than that. That's all. It's not the end of the world. It feels disappointing. But if you don't have, if you don't believe in something, whether you can call it nature or the universe or God, anything you want, you don't have to believe in God. You could call it anything you want, as long as you realize that you're not ruling your own life. Because if you do, then you blame yourself. People live with this. I should have done this. I'm I could have done that. congratulating myself. Are you? Good. <laughs> like, good. <laughs> like you're, you're assuming that things are bad. No, I'm not assuming. I'm saying things are good. So I'm, so I'm that, like, oh, I, I must be like, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Now, you don't have to blame yourself unless things are bad. No, everybody has things that happen in their lives that they wish didn't happen. I, I blame myself. Every single I, person. I blame, to be, I blame myself for a million things because I know there, I can trace back bad decisions I've made and they're my fault. Right, because you have free will. You can make bad decisions. Right. But look, I always use the example, I got divorced, so a divorce is very painful. I have two amazing children. My ex-wife... Don't, don't bang that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my ex-wife remarried. She adopted two other children and had another child of her own. Now, I couldn't see that when I was there. Those little children needed to be adopted, and that other girl needed to be born, and that couldn't have happened had I stayed. And she shouldn't so, blame herself for marrying you. And she does. Yeah. <laughs> I think she does, but but you never know. But look, it's a bigger concept. Well, it's just like well, for many years. That. Sounds like a bunch of malarkey to me. Really? Well, it's a it's a spiritual concept. Yeah, I'm not. Spiritual. And I, I find it comforting. I'm surprised that you're not, because you have such good. 
thoughts. Well, he comes from a long line of of, of uh, atheists. Yeah, on your father's yeah. deathbed, didn't he say? Uh, didn't he? Didn't he mention that? You know, he, my as my father saw death coming, he did not budge from his atheist atheism. You know, which is not, did he survive the Holocaust? No. Uh, yes. Was he European? In Manhattan. <laughs> oh, in Manhattan. No, no, because a lot of people, because that's a very valid thing, that why did God allow certain things to happen if there is such a thing as a God? But the concept is that it's arrogant to say that you know that something is true or not true. We're just people. Our, our knowledge, our comprehension is very limited. So I open my mind. I try to open my mind to all positive things. That's why I wrote this book. Healing Your Heart by Changing Your Mind, a spiritual and humorous approach to achieving happiness. And it's about learning to change negative thinking to positive thinking, letting go of the pains of childhood. You know, we all have pains that we carry inside of us, and I call them heart wounds, and they affect your self-esteem and your self-confidence. Do you have any heart wounds, Periel? No, I'm good. None? <laughs> so I'm the only Just one who has them. heart murmur. You have heart it. wounds from oh, childhood? You have a heart murmur? Uh, I mean, just old stuff that I'd go through with therapy, but nothing. It's, it's, it's still still stuff that you feel that you need to work out with therapy. This this not this not much necessarily. Later. No, not necessarily. But I will find triggers, but then I'll be fine with it. Like yeah. I'll be like, I recognize mm-hmm. it, but I'm okay. Right. Uh, we're almost out of time, Dad. <laughs> you must have New Year. Well, heart. <laughs> you must have a few heart wounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. So when you go to therapy, you go to therapy, Pearl? Do you, do you talk about stuff from your childhood? No. I think when you start working with a new therapist, they like, you know, if they're good, they try to understand like what things you went through. Because I do think that if you have unhealed trauma or whatever experiences you have, they inform who you are as an adult if you don't deal with them. Mm-hmm. But... Once you've been, I don't know, through like a significant or, you know, reasonable amount of therapy, you're probably, I mean, unless like, you know, you're seriously traumatized or you've been through horrendous things, you're probably not dealing with childhood trauma um, on like a regular basis. Again, unless you're somebody who went through like horrific childhood trauma. Well, in, st- in stuttering, I always work with people about their childhood because that's when stuttering starts. Nobody starts stuttering when they're an adult. They all start around five, six, seven years old. And I spent 20 years on the board of um, a very interesting group called the Association for Spirituality and Psychotherapy. And I got to lecture at energy psychology conferences, even though that was not my trained field, but they accepted my work. And a lot of trauma, especially with stuttering, starts as a child. It's, a, it's an... Um, it's a reaction to the stress that's going on in your life at the time because most stutterers don't stutter when they're alone. They can speak much better when they're by themselves. Also, when you sing, you don't stutter. Yeah, you and when you talk to a baby or to an animal, they don't stutter. If you talk to a pet, because there's no judgment. So it's very interesting about the effects that ch- that childhood has had on people. What about people. Um, bilingualism and stuttering? Any Any research there? Not that I've done, but some people can speak better in another language. They don't stutter in the second language, and they'll stutter worse in one of their other languages. It's very Stuttering is a a very fascinating thing. Joe Biden used to stutter. Supposedly, yeah. And um, like I work with a guy in Las Vegas. His fiancée is a speech therapist who cannot help him. She told him that they learn about stuttering for one day in school. And I developed this technique. It's a body, mind, spirit. It involves thought. It's a cognitive technique. 
learning that you control your mind. Your mind is the greatest computer. There's no computer that, that can stand up to thought. And we don't use that much of our mind. But if you can, you can learn to control, which is what I do. And, and I, I, I learned it. I use it to fight fear. You know, it took me many years to get up on stage because I was writing comedy for many years before I had the courage to perform. And I had to do all these mental things in order to lead the life that I lead. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to do anything. What are your thoughts on psychedelics? You seem like a guy that might have gone down that road. Actually, I did. I tripped once when I was okay. on, the, on, the, on the high holidays. Well, when I was in college, yeah, that was the one time that I ever did that. But uh, Armin doesn't even know what the high holiday. I think are. that's why they call it the high holiday. <laughs> I was focusing on which. What did you trip on? Like which drug? Osley acid. In those days, that was like the big thing. I was listening to Timothy Leary. Tune in, turn on, and drop out. And uh, how old are you? That, nobody knows. <laughs> I don't own an age. I, I'm, I'm ageless. Have you that's done psychedelics? Thing. No, I never did. No, but there are people who use psychedelics to try to cure stuttering. But you can't trick your subconscious mind. It's a gradual change. You have to convince your subconscious mind that you no longer need to stutter. There's a real need. And a lot of people have that with different habits. I do a lot of work with 12-step people too, drugs and alcohol. And there's this, you're fighting with your subconscious mind. That's saying that you're, that you're your own worst enemy. Very true. Our minds play tricks on us and they self-sabotage us. Your mind very often tells you the things that are not good for you to do. And what I teach them is to learn to ignore your subconscious mind. These negative messages, it tells you that you're not enough, that you'll never be successful, that you'll never achieve your goals. And it's all bullshit. So you have to say fuck you to your subconscious mind, which is not an easy thing to do, to ignore those messages. But it's very important. All right. Well, we're, we're yeah. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I find this, like, I, I find this self-help stuff, I know it works for people, I know people even like Bill Clinton was uh, uh, an acolyte of uh, Tony Robbins and things like that. So, so non-flaky people, I have to admit, are feel that these things help them. So, who who would I be to to question it? I I um I I it hasn't been my thing. But have you ever gone to therapy? Oh boy, he went to couples therapy, right? I yeah. I, my two experiences of therapy is one time as a little boy I went. I'm not even sure why. My, my parents were divorcing. Maybe he was just like, they want to take any chances. Um, but the, the therapist asked me to draw a picture. And I was like five or six years old. I'm like, I'm not drawing a picture for you. No, I was very, I was very precocious. I mean, I can remember it. The, and I knew that whatever I, it's just like, draw whatever you want. I'm like, oh, you don't, who do you think yeah. I am? You're not kidding me. I knew whatever I drew was going to be interpreted by the therapist. So I just wouldn't draw anything. So we played Chinese checkers. And then uh, like four or five weeks this went by. I wouldn't draw anything at all. We were just playing checkers. My father, my father said, this is, you're fucking out of here. Like, so that, that therapy went nowhere. And then I was a couples therapy with my wife. Um, and that ended badly too, because uh, the, it was a therapist and she was also studying reflexology. And it, at some point she says to me, take she, off your shoes. She did. She goes, you, you seem very stressed. And she started giving me a foot massage <laughs> and Juanita freaked out. Wow. Yeah, I know. And, yeah. and, and then the therapist says to me, you must have had a lot of, been treated with a lot of tenderness as a child. She says like, the therapist totally took my side. And uh, of course, Juanita chalks herself to me, to me being a master manipulator. 
A lot of therapists are very crazy. They're very weird. They're all in therapy themselves. They yeah, have to they be have in to order be. to be a therapist. Yeah. And, you know, but all those things are what I call heart wounds. When your parents got divorced, whether you're over it or not, it's still lodged inside of us. All those things that happen, those uncomfortable things, you never know how they trigger you and how you react in certain situations because of things that happened in the past. It's just interesting to me. That's all. I find that happens a lot. I point out things to people, and they understand it, and then it helps them not, not to stutter. When they realize that when they're stuttering, a trigger has caused them to feel like a child again. And Because when they're stuttering, they're not stuttering as an adult. They're stuttering as the child that started stuttering. And the, the, I, 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 would go, I would go to therapy. I'm stuttering now. <laughs> <laughs> you made me stutter. I'll give you my number. Right? Uh, I would go to therapy if I if I felt the need. I don't, you know. You would do well there. It would do you well. Shut up. <laughs> why, why would it, because you're so anti-therapy. You you always say that it's bullshit and that anybody can be a therapist. That that's true. Anybody can be a therapist. I, I do say that. It's true. I think it was a study that showed that. They say that ChatGPT. Gives better therapy than therapists. It's ridiculous. I mean, the fact that there are so many bad therapists makes me think, yes, anyone can be one. Okay, but not anyone can one. be a good and therapist. What I've, exactly. said, what I've said yeah. about therapy is the following. You've, probably, you've all heard me say a million times. Yes. Um, if I showed up to your house to fix your toilet, you would know in five <laughs> seconds I'm not a plumber. Like, I could not fake that. <laughs> right. If I showed up as, like, as, as an auto mechanic, you know, what the fuck is going to... If I put on the right clothing mm -hmm. and invited you into my office and told you I was a therapist. Yeah. You would see me for 20 years. You would never know. And you would swear I was a great therapist. But yeah. no, <laughs> if I, well, but just because you can, and you might be better than many out because, there. Because, you know, yeah. because I don't believe, I believe there is something to therapy, but I don't believe it's something that is taught on a blackboard. I think it's like, if you have a kind of personality analysis that, that is, as has some wisdom and can listen yeah. to somebody mm -hmm. and yes. a good listener, then you can actually, because it's therapeutic well, to talk about your problems. You're somebody but no, let, a smart person. Forever. Let me give, it's let the me, essence yeah, of it, the 12 step program. Let me give you an share personal things about yourself to strangers and everybody identifies and they nod their heads. It's because that helps them to get better because there's only me, it's only so many things. No, no, yeah, yes. but no, I'll give you an analogy. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, yeah. An analogy parallels like a comparison. <laughs> you know, um, just because uh, me as a patient might not know you're not a real therapist doesn't mean that there's nothing to therapy. I'll, the analogy I would make is to a conductor. You put somebody up there in front of the New York Philharmonic and he can make any hand motions he wants and I'll think he's conducting, he's doing a good job. But that doesn't mean he's a good, a real conductor. It's, it only means that I don't know shit about conducting. But the musicians would know. The musicians yeah. would know. And, and, another <laughs> and another therapist, and another therapist would know that this therapist, that you're a fraud. But a patient that's not trained in therapy would not know that you're a fraud, but fraud you would be. I don't think you could fake conducting and, 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 have it, and create a great orchestra. What I'm saying is that you could actually just... Well, I turn the... But, uh, but do, you, do you think if... The analogy's not a perfect one. They never are. The point is... <laughs> <laughs> the, the point is, is, yes, you might be able to fool me into thinking... But for how long? You, like, how long could you fool somebody for? Like Forever. No, I don't know. What do you think if that... Okay, have better, we learned... First of all... Just I mean, do you not believe in psychology and that there are things and, like cognitive behavioral therapy and that there are things that you can actually be taught okay. how to break patterns. Cognitive behavioral therapy is a method 
Okay. Mm-hmm. That apparently works, and I do believe you have to no- learn how to do that. Okay. Not talk therapy. Um, and apparently, of all the therapies that have been uh, compared in in uh, with uh, you know studies, cognitive behavioral therapy has the best results. Mm-hmm. So I'm not talking about that. I'm okay. talking about the basic. The the like you come to me and you tell me about your problems type therapy. And and a lot of those therapists don't speak. They just listen to you. They don't give you feedback. They don't even remember which from which, which is week, not which, which is saying. not helpful. Yeah, yeah. which They're is like, not helpful. Time's up. But how how do, how do you feel about it? What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> uh, well, no, I was actually asking because I was kind of impressed that you've ne- you don't believe in these like positive resources and have never had therapy, and you still seem like you have your shit together. You don't seem like you're going to lose it. Well, so that. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, I, but I, think, I think you're born with a disposition and that's, yeah. that's you know, that's a thing. But, uh, but yeah, there's different kinds of therapy. I had a therapist for a very long time who talked a lot and that helped me Yes, I, a lot. But she, yeah. over time, got to know me too well and became almost like a chummy mother. Mm. And I was like, this isn't working anymore. I can, I can get chummy and awes from my friends. I need you to stay neutral. And she couldn't do it. Mm. Uh, she was too invested. She was too invested. Yeah, yeah, yeah that and happens. that's really weird too, because they she was really good, and she knew me, and I was like, "This is this is not helping me." Do you make a differentiation between a psychologist and like a talk therapist? Well, a psychiatrist is an MD, not a psychiatrist. Oh, the psychologist. Okay, no, no, I know. I was going to say. I thought you were going to say the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist. No, a psychologist and just like a therapist. You mean is like there, somebody with a master's in social Yeah, therapy, somebody so. who, like a talk therapist is, mm-hmm. is not necessarily a psychologist. Oh, like, look, a oh, master's well, in social work? Yeah, a therapist. I, 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 I'm, I'm not an expert, but I think I can say the following. Which but is, if you put on like glasses no. and a suit. You whatever, the, whatever the current state of the art, whatever the current state of the art beliefs are in the discipline of psychology mm-hmm. may or may not be accurate. I don't know. Maybe they, but I can tell you with a lot of confidence that at virtually any point in history, when we could have been having this conversation, 1940, 1950, 1960, 1970, 1980, 1990, everything that you would swear they knew Mm. is now considered bullshit. All right. Mm -hmm. Everything which they thought they knew about how the mind works, what therapists were taught in school, the science that they were imposing on their patients and everybody swore by, we know now, None of it is still in circulation. I, 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 Everything has been rejected. It's all bullshit. So maybe, maybe now at some point, maybe they backed into something and they really have some insight now that I can't. Well, I'm say. not sure that what you've just said is true. I, oh, I, it's true. But it's also true for dieting and food yes, and so many all things. That stuff. Yes. Things yeah. progress. Yeah, yeah things we can't progress. eat eggs. You can't eat eggs. Right. Like, like yeah, that's have confusing. Have a mammogram. Don't have a mammogram. Like everything yeah. changes. But uh, Freudian, the idea that everything is about your mother. I mean, I have some experience with this, not personally, but with having people with mental illness in my family. And I saw the fucking nonsense that the doctors put them through. Every doctor has his own, and it's every school of thought. There's 20 different schools of thought. Everybody, and they, you know, 20 different opinions. Right, and they it's put not people, a science. And they put people on too much medication, too. A lot of times they put them on many pills at, at once. I know people are taking many too many pills that don't go together well. Nobody's that smart that they can figure out exactly to the milligram how many you should take and what you should take. And and, and, the, and the one thing I, I remember from taking... Uh, courses in psychology in in college, the one thing that stayed with me more than anything else was that they told us that the people who get the most benefit from therapy 
are the people who are the most mentally healthy. Mm. That's that's what that's what they, they Yeah, if you start out being healthy, right? <laughs> because well, yeah. when you're very mentally healthy, then you're able actually to say, oh, oh, you know, I feel a little better. Now, right. I, I, I worked, I kind of worked that out. Right, you can process the information. But when you're, right. but when you're fucked up, you're opaque. You can't get through to them. You know, they, they, but the they, best they, they revert to their their natural problems because they have issues that can't be overcome by just saying magic words. But I think some of the best therapists are really fucked up because they went through it themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, so they know. Mm-hmm. There's a documentary on Netflix that Jonah Hill. Did called Stutz. Uh-huh. Have you guys heard of this? Yeah, I, I have. What's the word? Stutz. Stutz. He's a very famous, I think, psychiatrist. S-T-U-T. Oh, somebody's S-T-U-T. name. Not, not, oh, Stutz. The, not the guy who killed Buckwheat. That. It's, now, by the way, Max, I've been telling you, I watched one of our shows. When you bring something like this up, it doesn't, you know, people don't see it. So it's not really, like, you might have to figure out a way to. I can switch it to the show. It's on the TV. I have it up. Yeah, you might have to switch it to the camera that shows it or something because I know. It's go, up ahead, on the go, go ahead. Now. This is very, it's very interesting. He had S-T-U- he had S T U T Z. Yeah. Look, I, I'm willing to concede that Noam might be right about therapy, <laughs> but I'm not willing to concede that he is right about. Are you willing therapy. to okay. concede that he might be right about New Year's Eve? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm willing to concede that he has a point, and I have a point, and and I think I conceded you at a point. Um, that I I understand his point of view. I I, I think and hope he understands your mine. your position and, is much more defensible. Then think you can show up to a New Year's Eve party and don't wait till midnight. Ah. I, I, I actually believe that. That <laughs> that's, is that's absurd. Strange. This that's strange like to leave just years. a few minutes before midnight. <laughs> it's not a few minutes before midnight. It's like it, this has been going on for years. It is a I, New Year's Eve party. I think maybe four New Year's now we spend with the dwarf. Who doesn't? No, stay I thought he the... said you left at eleven fifty. No, 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 that, no, no, no. Like that, that was an no, exaggeration. No, that's not true. <laughs> I mean, going. She back... would. <laughs> No, I would wait to leave at like 10. Oh, okay. So if you had other places to go. <laughs> no, I would go home. I have no place home? else oh, to go. Oh, oh. oh, I thought you said you had other events that you were invited no, no, to. No, no, no. You, just you Dan, need therapy. Dan, Dan said that. You're what? a young woman. What are you going home at 10? Were you molested on New Year's Eve night by your father? Like, what, no, what, I wasn't. What, what is it about New Year's Eve? You don't, you don't go home at 10 on a normal night. I just, the whole hullabaloo I'm not into on New Year's Eve. I think that like whole performance is just like... You know, that doesn't sound personal, though. That's good. Like, it sounds like she has an issue. Yeah. And I also don't like fireworks. Mm. Okay, but this is what you don't understand. And this is why, because you're a selfish person. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm absolutely, absolutely, I'm absolutely serious here. Am I a selfish person? I'm going to, yes, you are. Because when you're invited to a party, when you leave the party, you take away from the host of the party, the guests. If every, you know, Kant, Immanuel Kant, Kant, the categorical imperative that whatever you think is okay to do, you should think is okay for everybody to do, right? This is what the, that imagine. If everybody left the 10 Imagine o'clock. everybody said, yeah, I don't need to, I don't need to stay at midnight for his New Year's Eve party. It's selfish. I can do it. Of course, I, everybody can't do that because it would be ridiculous to have this guy throw a New Year's Eve party and everybody goes home. Well, <laughs> but I will, I will do it because I can Get away with it. It's well, not right. You go to a fucking New Year's Eve party, you stay till midnight. Well, That's the way it goes. I mean, unless or, you... Or say, no, I'm not coming. Or well, say I, it in I, advance. You know, uh, I, mean, I tried that. that. It's selfish the fact and self-centered is, the fact to is, leave a New Year's Eve party. And what if you know beforehand? And, you, and if you think you're an interesting person, 
it's even more selfish to take that interesting person away from the party. Well, you know, See, that's uh, a good reason for therapy. Um, <laughs> my, my thoughts on the Perry L New Year's Eve situation is, first of all, most people don't want to leave the party before midnight. So the problem is not going to arise. If, if you have a party where everybody's staying out of obligation, you probably shouldn't have the party. Um, I want my guests to want to be there. So if Perry L doesn't want to be there, we're sad to see her go. Uh, but if she really doesn't want to be there... Uh, I want to be there be in the beginning. Until 10. Nobody comes till 10. <laughs> I, 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 I want my guests to want to be there. What so, time did it start, Noah? Like 9.30. No, but I'm not even talking about this year. This goes back several it's years. It's almost as if she just wanted to come for the old Molino and leave. That's ridiculous. I don't even eat meat. <laughs> but Well, there was pasta as well. Um, but as I said, most people want to stay because... If they didn't, there'd be no point in having a New Year's. Well, people do want to stay, but if people start leaving, they're like, oh, I, I thought this would be a fun but, party. I'll go somewhere else next year. All right, we have to go. We have okay. To, we, have to go. Uh, we thank Jeffrey Gurian, his new book. Jeff, you can give us the name of your book. Thank you. By the way, before I go, did you ever see the documentary that was shot at the Comedy Cellar? Did you ever watch that? You gave me permission to shoot a scene at the Comedy They did a I, documentary I about me. I don't think I saw it. Maybe I might have. Well, it was years ago, right? 2020. It's called Who the Fuck is Jeffrey oh, Gurian? And we no, shot with Jessica Kirsten at the cellar. I did not see it. Okay, for oh, you. I will watch it. Okay. Oh, there I, it is. Oh, who the fuck? Yeah, yeah there it's it is. It's very good. Thank I you. It's it. available you. Uh, on... I, it's I, on Vimeo, and it won some awards. It was a, it's a short film, like 17 minutes long, but there's a scene in there fun. at the Comedy Cellar. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, with okay, Jesse. so Who yeah. the Fuck is Jeffrey Gurian on Vimeo. His and various books are available on Amazon. Amazon Healing Your Heart by, by Changing, Changing Your, your mind. mind. A Spiritual and Humorous Approach to Achieving And happiness. what about that book with all those crazy stories? About the guy with the arms and legs that oh. married an Asian woman. I don't know why you had to bring up she was Asian. But she was gorgeous. <laughs> she was so beautiful. Yeah. Facing adversity. <laughs> Stories of courage and inspiration. And the other one is called... Am I, is there a camera here? Am I holding Yes, it? yes. Fight the fight fear. Fight the fear. Ooh. Overcoming obstacles that stand in your way. I mean, you have like a library with you over he, here. He's... And we have Carmen Lynch, of course, her specials. Queef uh, Week on Mark Norman's <laughs> YouTube channel. And the Samana. Please watch it. The numbers are going up. Thank you so much. And La Samana. No, in Spanish, it's just called Carmen en Español. Okay. Oh, really? That's so great. That yeah, they don't know. I, I'm not putting Queef Week They in don't Spanish. have a word for Queef in, 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 yes, in, in the nicer made, languages. That joke didn't make it in the Spanish set. Mm -hmm. It's lost in translation. Of course, they have a word for Queef in Spanish. It's a phrase. It's not a word. It's not a word, but but it's the fat flatulence de, 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 del vagina. Whatever. <laughs> Just focus on Vagina week. Oh. And uh, pedo, pedo vaginal. 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 Durante el how do you say that? Pedo vaginal. What does it say? Durante sí, la semana. Españoles. I can't read that. I don't have uh, glasses. Es la lengua lo más bonita en el mundo. <laughs> Durante yeah, el pedo, pedo sounds like a pedo español, but what have you? No. <laughs> Anyway, thank you, everybody. Thank uh, you for we'll having me. We'll see you next me. time. Bye-bye. So fun. So fun. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>